Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast. I'm Manu Veit and joining me today is not Stefan Bienkowski. He is on a well-deserved holiday recovering from a stack do in Ireland, but that's okay. Um, we drafted in a very good replacement in Matt Ford. Matt, nice to have you back. Obviously, you were back on the, the special with Hertha Berlin. Um, have you back so soon. It's very nice. How's it going? Yeah, good, thank you. Thanks for having me back. Um happy to stand in for Stefan and I uh, hope he had a hope he had a good time on his uh, on his stag do. Sounds like he did. Yeah, I hope so too. I hope he's still alive. Um uh, it's been radio silence. <laughs> Ireland for a stag do sounds like a dangerous proposition, uh, if I'm honest with you, Matt. <laughs> give him a couple of, give him a couple of days. I'm sure he'll get I'm sure he'll get in touch. <laughs> Um, yeah, I hope so, because he has to edit this. So uh, anyways, we we have a lot to discuss this week. And I, I don't want to, you know, hold us back too long. So let's just jump into it right after this break. This episode of the Game Pressing Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA playoffs. BetOnline is your sports intel headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs. From basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, golf to UFC and boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. Get into the action today, so head to the website of your mobile device to join to be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE. B-L-E-A-V, believe, to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. So yeah, Matt, um, let's start, as always, with the top of the table. And I think it's pretty safe to say the decision in the title race has been postponed for yet another week. Um, both those teams actually with very strong performances. Bayern Munich, let's start with Bayern because I think there was some hope maybe uh, by Schalke fans that they could get something in the Allianz Arena. And this has been probably the most commanding performance that we have seen um, since Thomas Tuchel has taken over um, this Bayern Munich side. I mean, it was never really close, was it? No, I think it was quite wishful thinking, wasn't it? Um, mm. I actually watched or tried to keep an eye on this game in a um, in a in a in a pub in in Dortmund. <clears throat> Obviously, Dortmund was the was the later kickoff, and I was I was covering that game, so um, managed to find somewhere to watch the uh, to watch the Bayern game. And for about twenty one minutes, there was actually this um, like a, a weird phenomenon of. That raw pot solidarity breaking <laughs> out between uh, Dortmund fans to, towards towards Schalke. Um, I literally heard people in in Dortmund shirts saying things like "Come on, Schalke, <laughs> um, <laughs> please score a goal," <laughs> or at least try and stay in the game as long as they can. You know, try and help us out. Yeah. Uh, safe to say, about uh, about an hour later, um, yeah, that that solidarity had well and truly vanished, and the uh, the same fans were um, simply hoping that Schalke get relegated as quickly as possible. So that sense of solidarity in the in in the in Western Germany certainly didn't last. Yeah, I guess the the moment the goals ticked over, Thomas Müller, um, it's such a great story, isn't it? Like the, it, the, yeah, it's <laughs> interesting to see to see him performing so so influentially and so so authoritatively um, after what's been a it's been a, a difficult month or so for him, hasn't it? Mm. Under 
under under Tuchel. I don't know how how have you seen that relationship between Tuchel and, and Müller developing since yeah, since Tuchel arrived. I mean, Thomas Müller went on Instagram and complained um, or made a joke about all the transfer rumors, right? That came about last week. Um, you know, my answer to that is then maybe don't put them in the world in the first place um, because we we all know why transfer rumors surrounding Thomas Müller get leaked, um, you know, for, for political reasons um, and why, you know, when Thomas Müller is upset, all of a sudden he gets linked to other clubs. Um, it used to be Manchester United for quite some time, right, Matt? Um, and then, you know, they would quickly find a resolution. And I actually thought it was really interesting the moment these transfer rumors leaked. I think there was like a meeting with him and Herbert Heiner and Oliver Kahn and Hassan Salihamidzic all had something to say. He's like, no, 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 he's going nowhere. We want him to stay here for the rest of his career. And look, who gets the start? I mean, <laughs> it's, I, I think the for me, it's always been that that Thomas Müller has a little bit of what they call in German Freifahrtschein, right? A free ticket. And I think he's quite well tuned in to the politics at Bayern Munich that can be very complicated at times, right? And the 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 way the the article in Sport built by Christian Falk was phrased, you know, like what was it like seven coaches and this type of time frame and I had to prove myself every time. Why do I always have to prove myself? I'm Thomas Müller and you know, like honestly you you can sort of understand that sort of underlined to me where these rumors were coming from in the first place. And I think Thomas Müller knew exactly what he was doing by putting them into the world, right? And um, I think it's it's going to be very interesting to see how... I mean, this season is almost over. Um, it's I think for me, the more interesting part comes what will happen to Thomas Müller when in the summer, right? When Thomas Tuchel has to set up the side for, for next year and has to go through them with training camp and you know whether they win the title or not is like almost secondary in this regard but what is Thomas Müller's future going to be like with this club and what is they what does that mean to the relationship between like how is Tuchel going to ensure that Müller is in his waning years still going to have a dignified presence in a club that makes makes it work for both sides and I think that's something that's going to be really difficult to navigate for everyone involved yeah, I think it depends um, how well, how Tuchel imagines his Bayern Munich setting up. Um, mm. If we go back a month ago when Tuchel took over, you know, he made quite a point, didn't he, of saying um, not much is going to change. You know, he was taking yeah. obviously he was referring not you know, mainly in the more partly in the short term because it was an international break. He didn't even have his players, and the immediate concern was the was the home game <clears throat> against against Borussia Dortmund. But I think he, it also applied to the rest of this season. You know. Tuchel's not had any any preparation time. He's not had a single transfer window or anything like that mm. with Bayern. So um, he, he, I, I don't think we've quite seen Thomas Tuchel's Bayern Munich just yet. That's going to yeah. obviously have to wait until um, un, un, until next season. Um, his relationship with Müller has been interesting. Um, I think obviously one of the first big tests for, for Tuchel was the quarterfinal against Manchester City, wasn't it? Mm. And it was quite a shock to a lot of people to see Müller not starting um, or yeah, not not heavily involved in those games. And Tuchel um, justified that decision. Um, and I think a lot of people bought it. I think it also made a lot of sense. He said, this is, this is not going to be a Müller game. Um, yeah. I think suggesting that yeah, obviously Bayern were were looking to sit back against uh, against City and, and, and hit them on the break using the pace particularly of um, of, of Leroy Sané um, which I think they actually did quite well particularly in the first leg or, or up until mm. the 70th minute or so actually worked quite well meanwhile during that game you could actually see Tuchel um consulting very closely with Thomas yeah. Muller on, on the touchline, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. Um, obviously tapping into a player who's, like, yeah, like you said, whose knowledge of, of Bayern Munich is, is becoming more and more uh, pronounced and more valuable, I think, the more 
the the more coaches he plays under. Um, mm. Yeah, did you say it was six or, or seven Bayern Munich coaches? You I think, think it was under seven. Now? Okay, um, yeah, yeah. The article wrote. I mean, I was just quote paraphrasing the article mm. from Sportsbild, right? And um, so yes, I mean, so increasingly, Müller is um, is increasingly one of the few people left with in, in, involved with Bayern Munich who, I suppose, represents what people around Bayern and within Bayern would refer to as this whole like Mia San Mia mm. um, thing that, that that they have going on. Um, particularly given, um, yeah, given the changes up in the boardroom as well, with um, Rummenigge and Hernes taking taking a step back, um, I think probably aside, apart from Müller, the only the only sort of proper original um, Bayern players left in that team from you know from the from the Jupp Heynckes days and go, go, going that far back so is what him um, Manuel Neuer yeah. um, I think p- potentially Joshua Kimmich represents a bit of that as well to an extent but um, yeah. increasingly Müller is one of these yeah one of these players who's really representing the, the heart and soul of Bayern Munich and um, yeah. be interesting to see to see what role he plays he, he, he certainly um, yeah was certainly influential against against Schalke on Saturday although like we said with all respect to Schalke um, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if it's really the the bar by which we should be measuring Thomas Muller. Yeah, no, I think you 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 know you're asking a lot of really good questions here and like pointing out a lot of good things because you know like it's also interesting to see what happens when Thomas Muller's career does come to an end and um, we've seen in the past that the career of a big player like Muller ending isn't always you know doesn't always pass uh, in harmony right at Bayern Munich. Uh, I think the best example is Oliver Kahn, who, who they actually they, they managed the end quite well, um, and I think I guess they they will try to do something similar here. But there's some other great players that Bayern Munich had where the separation was quite loud. Um, like the most famous example is Lothar Matthäus, right? Um, but they, I also think of Giovanni Elba and some of the other guys, and then they they fixed it later on. Um, in some cases, in some cases they did not. But, I, mean, I think it uh, goes both ways with Bayern Munich. To yeah. be honest, and the, the, for, for every for every player, you know, they've, they've gone through so many quality players down the years and so many legendary names that I think it stands to reason that for everyone who has a slightly um, slightly um, difficult departure for, from mm. Bayern, you you also have the, the other side of the coin and the, the number of top players with Bayern yeah. histories who they managed to retain. Um, Within the club, so um, we'll see. I, I think if you put that to Thomas Muller, I think he'd he, he'd probably reject any of those ideas straight away. He, he certainly <laughs> thinks he's got a few more years left. Let's let not be um, putting him out to um, out to pasture with his with his horse because he does have horses, <laughs> doesn't he? So let's let's not be putting him there straight away. But Matt, that makes you think because like um, when I was over there last and I covered a Bayern Munich game, he actually went to the mixed zone and he complained about. A muscle ache, right? Um, famously, he was on. He walked into the mix zone with a phone on his ear, and we already all thought, okay, well, that's it. He's not talking to us today. Um, it was actually a phone, not a wallet or passport, because you know we all know the trick. Yes, but, yeah, that, that's also been done before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but he actually then like said, okay, yeah, he put his phone down and said, like, yeah, we have a few moments because he was actually up for a medical appointment inside the Allianz Arena and. That's the first time I've heard Thomas Müller complain about like muscle injuries and that kind of thing, right? Because he's like famously indestructible. <laughs> How many games has he missed uh, with injuries? Not many, right? Um, so that's made that made me think like, oh, well, he's actually human. Um, <laughs> his muscle aches like the rest of us. Um, but you know that makes you think that okay, he is at thirty three now, um, and. As you said, there is games now that are not Thomas Müller games. And I guess that's kind of leads into, we can say, okay, Schalke done and dusted. We get to talk about Schalke as part of the relegation battle in a moment, right? But I want to focus on the title race because we are going to get into the, the next stage. We have two matches left The for Bayern Munich and all due respect to Köln, right? Okay, okay, it's in Köln, so it's maybe it's difficult. We never know what's going to happen on that final match day, right? But the title is probably going to be won or lost on match day 33 when Bayern Munich, Bayern Munich hosts Leipzig. And the kind of question is, and Leipzig is, you know, a team in form. They are on course for the Champions League. They they are, they are have, there is a legitimate 
concern here, I think, that if you're a Bayern Munich fan, that Leipzig will get something from the Allianz. And remember, Leipzig don't have to win this game for the table to flip-flop, right? A draw would be enough. Is Leipzig a Thomas Müller game? That is a really good question here, like looking ahead, right? And the way the Tuchel manages the squad, is this one where you feel Thomas Müller? Do you need a player like... You know, I personally would always play Thomas Müller because I think he's still an impact player. But it's an interesting question, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, I could probably understand it if Thomas Tuchel um, made the decision that yeah, he, the the RB Leipzig is also not a not a Thomas Müller game in the mm. potentially the pace might might, might risk bypassing um, a slightly slower Thomas Müller these days um, a little bit. However. Um, yeah, as, as much as as much as I would understand the argument, um, I'd probably end up, um, yeah, thinking similar to you and similar to to Louis Van Gaal. To be honest, that Miller Miller plays. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but you are right to point out that this is. Um, I mean, coming into match day thirty three, um, mm. yeah, definitely the one that I had in my in my calendar as well for for where the next uh, twist in the title race could take place. Um, I think particularly since Dortmund. Like surrendered the uh, the lead back to Bayern, I I, I thought with all due respect to to Hertha Berlin, Werder yeah. um, Bremen and and Schalke Bayern Munich as as wobbly as they have been, they were never going to drop any points against those three, um, and and so it's so it's proven. Um, the the bigger question was can can Dortmund keep the pace and remain a point behind up until match mm. day thirty three, and they have done pretty yeah. um, pretty spectacularly. Probably get onto them in a sec, I imagine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they're now in a position where yeah, both teams are facing banana skins. I think on match day thirty-three, you mentioned yeah, Bayern at home to RB. Mm. Absolutely, they're coming into form at a really good time, um, which seems to be a bit seems to be a, a trend with, uh, with with RB in, in recent seasons. They don't seem to be able to perform through entire seasons. They have they have yeah. they, they, they seem to take months off at a time. However, in this particular season, they they seem to be coming good at. Um, uh, at just about the right time, obviously, um, I, I saw them in in Freiburg a couple of weeks ago in the in the German Cup semi final when they were um, you know they were four 0 up against Freiburg at, at half time. They absolutely blew them away. Um, really helps that they've got Danny Olmo back um, back fit. Um, the way he you know, the, the, the way he links up with um, with Unkuku and um, and Werner. Is um is is dangerous. It's uh, it's impressive to see. Um and obviously you know, they're going into they're going into a a cup final. Um is it their their fourth cup final in in five years? I think. Yeah, it is. Um, so yeah, you know, it's competition. They're making their own, and they're in, they're in good form going into it. You could see that against against Bremen at the weekend. Uh, you know, they they kept going till the end. They got was it ninety sixth or ninety seventh minute winner in the end. They just they, they wore Bremen down. Um, so yeah, I, w- I would um, I-, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if they if they got a result in um, in Munich. Uh, they're certainly on form for it. And um, however, equally, I also wouldn't be surprised um, if uh, if Dortmund slipped up, as many teams do um, in in Augsburg. Difficult, mm. difficult place to go. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, keep in mind, Leipzig with a result pretty much have the Champions League spot nailed down, so they have something to play for. Um, but let's go and switch to Dortmund. And you mentioned it, you know, the next fixture is against Augsburg, um, the suburb of Munich. Matt, for all due respect. <laughs> I mean, you, you're, you're from down there, so I'll leave you to decide that. Uh, I think there's probably a few people in Augsburg who would dispute that their, uh, yeah, their city is a, is a suburb of, of that's, Munich. Um, that's the 1860 fan coming through. Um, yes, perhaps. Um, <laughs> Um, but you're quite right. I actually thought the I actually thought the Dortmund game was quite interesting um, because I I was worried about how they would respond to this really big Bayern Munich result, and it was impressive how quickly they put this game away. Um, you were there, so give us your impressions about what you saw there. Um, if, if I was going to describe Borussia Dortmund in a word at the moment, it would be in a, they're in a tunnel. Um, I'm extremely convinced by them. Um, I think they've gone through, uh, I th- at least I feel like they've gone through their 
emotional dips and their disastrous slip ups. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've I've been there to to see a lot of it in in person. Um, I was in I was in Stuttgart when they threw away a, a lead. First of all, two goal lead against ten man relegation strugglers. They, they did it twice. Um, and I thought after that game, I spoke to Edin Terzic, and he, to, honestly, I thought he was about to cry. He looked, he looked so, he looked so distraught at what had just happened. I, I, I thought there were about to be tears. Um, similarly, in Bochum, a couple of weeks later, um, the emotion on display was was sheer anger from the from the the Dortmund delegation. Um, Terzic, Kael. But also, also a lot of the players. I think rightly so. I think you've probably been through it. But the you know the, the refereeing decision what was was wrong. So they were they were about to be angry. Um, now, however, I, I don't sense any I don't sense any anger at Dortmund, in Dortmund anymore. I don't sense any any sadness. I also don't necessarily sense um, ma- massive anticipation and, and, and excitement. I really do. I get the impression that Terzic and his team have been through all that, and they're now very much in a in an absolutely clinical and concentrated bubble, um, and I think that is, for the most part, showing on the pitch. Like you said, it was impressive how kn- you know knowing the buy-in result just before um, that they also flew into um, flew into a, um, a, a convincing lead by by half time, um, and yeah, there was a little wobble in the second half. Um, Julian Brandt referred to it as Stuttgart vibes. Where um, they allowed they allowed Borussia Mönchengladbach into the game into the game a little bit. Um, ben Zbaini with a pen, Lars Stindl with a good effort, and in fact, ju- just after Stindl's goal, he actually had a similar effort, which was just tipped away by by Gregor Kobel, yeah. which um, was a very good save. And had that gone in, it would have been four three all of a sudden with about with about four or five minutes to play. I think including injury time, so that would have been very interesting. Um, to see where that had gone, I actually joked to a colleague at, at half time that you know could we potentially see a, a Schalke situation where you know, Schalke famously came down from a, from being four 0 down at, at half time in, in in Dortmund to draw four all, and um, we all sort of just laughed it off. Went yeah yeah not not this time, but um, yeah suddenly there was there was actually a chance that it could have been four three with a few minutes to go. Um, so yeah, Dortmund do they do still have those little wobbles in them. Um, and be interesting to see if that uh, if if that little side of Dortmund rears its head in in Augsburg. But in in general, like I said, I'm um, been very very impressed with them. Um, what's have been in us three home games: four 0 against Frankfurt, six 0 against Wolfsburg. Mm. Um, I thought at one point they could have been on their way to revenging their twelve 0 defeat against Gladbach from seventy seven at one point, but uh, that they they took the foot off the gas a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, what is it? 4 0 is the most dangerous uh, lead in fo- football. Um, for for, for Dortmund, clearly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it, it did feel a little bit like that. I thought the first half was very impressive. Um, Sebastian Haller in particular stood out to me, but Daniel Malin as well for, for weeks now, right? Um, I actually drew a little bit of a parallel, um, and we didn't even talk about him in the Bayern segment, but. You know how Serge Gnabry has become this hero out of nowhere, almost for Bayern Munich, right? Um, it almost feels like Daniel Malen has been for longer now, obviously, but has always been like that unsung hero almost for for Dortmund because he's been so effective for so many weeks now, um, mm-hmm. really becoming the player that I think that a lot of people hoped he would be when they signed him from PSV, right? Um, and I think, yeah, I think there's a really they have a really good mix right now in the attack. And you can also just tell that Sebastian Haller is becoming fitter and fitter, right? Um, I think we have to all remember that what he came back from cancer treatment four months ago. That's incredible. Just let just to let that sink in for a moment. The Dortmund's line is led by a guy who's overcome cancer four months ago. And um, I think this was his best performance yet. Yeah, totally agree. Um, it is an incredible story. I think both in, in the footballing sense, but also just purely in a in a in a human sense. Um, it's, a, it's a it's a miraculous recovery that that he's gone through. So all all power to him. Um, you mentioned the. Well, you mentioned two of the of, of Dortmund's front three, also the other being um, Karim Adeyemi. Um, yeah. All three have come good in the second part of the season. Um, it, it, I don't think that's I don't think that's an accident. 
um, those three were were brought in in the summer for mm-hmm. quite a hefty outlay, um, and I I, I asked Edin Terzic directly after the game said is you know the the performances we're seeing now from from Halle Adiemi and uh, and Marlon in the, in the in recent months is that how you actually imagined your um, your attack being at the start of the season back in summer before obviously uh, Halle's diagnosis there was also injuries to uh, to Adiemi and and Marlon and he said yeah absolutely exactly how we imagined it um, but obviously you can't can't legislate for what's happened. Um, but I think now you're seeing exactly you're seeing now about seven or eight months later what Edin Terzic had in mind with those three. Um, Haller in particular, um, it's not just his it's not just his goal his, his goal scoring in, in the box. It's the way that he drops deep. He acts as a pivot. He has a fantastic first touch. Mm. Yeah, the fact that I think it helps so much that both Adiemi and Marlon, regardless of which wing either of them start on, they both know they have that pivot in the middle in Haller around which they can move. Um, and yeah, some of the link up players fantastic. Um, but yeah, I think Haller. Obviously, the standout on on Saturday involved directly in in all five of those goals. Um, I think in the uh, in the build up to um, you know to Marlon's header, it was it was it was Hilaire's run and shot, yeah. wasn't it? Which deflected into Marlon's path. Yeah. Um, for the penalty, which Jude Bellingham put away, it was um, it was yeah it was Hilaire who uh, who won it by attracting the foul. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, his his little backheeled flick. For the third goal was um, just showed how much confidence he has suddenly. Um, so yeah, um, and, and why not the, the the journey he's been on personally over the past um, over the past seven or eight months yeah, give, gives him reason to be to be optimistic and positive and confident. And he's yeah, he's he's certainly showing that. Bruce Dortmund must be thinking, what if what what if all three had been had been available from the start of the season, but. There we go. Such is such is football, and I think more importantly, for in in Haller's point of view, such is such is life. So fair play to him. Yeah, I guess that really um, leads to the the next question, or like almost looking ahead um, before we you know shift our focus to the relegation battle. There's almost a sense that this is a once in a lifetime opportunity for Borussia Dortmund to to beat Bayern Munich to the title, and we just pointed out three reasons why that might not be the case, right? That there is maybe, you know, the site is really just coming to form now and finding themselves right now. Um, Bellingham aside, there is no major transfer rumors about any of these players leaving, right? Um, you know, Adi, Yimi, Mal, and Halaya will all three still be there next year. Is this, like, I'm toying with this, going back and forth with this, because I think there is a a lot more turmoil coming at Bayern Munich um, this summer. Is this a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, you think? Because, like, they kind of framed it like that after the Bochum game, didn't they? But I'm actually not so sure it is. Yeah, I'm also not sure. I think, I mean, it... The same, the same point applies both to next season as it does to the final two games of this season. In mm-hmm. that, it's simply not in Borussia Dortmund's hands whether it's a once in a lifetime opportunity or not. Um, in terms of next season, it all depends on the various internal intrigues and politics going on yeah. at Bayern Munich and how they come through that, and how Thomas Tuchel is given the backing to to set up Bayern the way he wants. I, I think you know it, it, if Tuchel is given the ideal backing and situation and the ideal atmosphere around the camp and everything he needs um I, I'd, I'd back Thomas Tuchel to take to take Bayern Munich to, to the to, to the Bundesliga title next year absolutely um I think he's yeah he's without doubt the on paper the, the best coach in the Bundesliga so mm. I'd back that but obviously there's not a big ifs there that as to whether Bayern will be able to afford him that that space that he needs um similarly this similarly on the last two days of this season as I said before, I don't. Uh, I think Dortmund in a tunnel now. I, I, as much as I think the Augsburg away is a, is a potential banana skin. Fair enough, it's always tricky. I don't yeah. think Dortmund will will will, uh, will slip up now. Um, I think they'll win both of their games, um, but it's not in their hands. Yeah, um, and that's their own doing. <laughs> and that, and that is, yeah, and yeah, with, with, with all the understanding that I do have for you know for. Injuries and particularly illness that you that you can't legislate for. Um, Dortmund, um, 
yeah, have also got to look at themselves again. E- even without those three on the farm, they've um, they've they've thrown away they're throwing away games. Um, also had a few responses from um, from from Schalke fans on on social media point, pointing that out actually and taking issue with uh, Dortmund fans being upset at them for not helping out when particularly a couple of weeks ago uh, Dortmund mm. weren't able to help Schalke out against Bochum. Um, so clearly, any ideas of uh, of that? That relationship ever becoming friendly, I can I can forget that as well, can't I? So, uh, that's a great transition. Uh, Bochum and Schalke um, and Hertha and Stuttgart are all in uh, pretty big trouble. Let's start maybe with the obvious one. We've spoken about Hertha in great length, so I don't want to dwell on it too much in this show because you know there's an entire special that you can if you subscribe to the Substack, you can listen to. 45 minutes to 50 minutes of Matt, Stefan and I talking about all the problems that had to have on and off the field. So go check that out. But Matt, 5-2 defeat to Köln. Um, this was never really that close. It looks like and, they're And yet Hertha are actually ahead. They actually took the lead. I know, one, but it didn't feel close. Believe it or not, they were winning. I know, but it, they, they scored, you know, they... Yeah, I, I didn't get the sense that that lead was real. You know what I mean? It's, it sounds weird. Um, that's, the, that's saying a lot. Um, when, yeah. when you do a, you know, a 2-1 lead away at Cologne of all teams and you think, nah, this can't hold. This, this, no. they, can't, they can't hold on to this. It held 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was not close. <laughs> and then what happened next was uh, – a demonstration by Cologne that maybe doesn't necessarily really reflect their strengths either. I saw uh, someone tweet this. I, I can't remember who it was, but the fact that Hertha are making Cologne look world-class says everything you need to know about Hertha. Um, and that's, I think that's a really fair point. You know, this Hertha side is probably done um, because are they really going to be able to claw back? What is it now? five points in two games to relegation playoff place. That is, that's not to a, a non-relegation place. That's to the playoff place. Six points to uh, Bochum. The only upside that they have is that they have the better goal differential than both Schalke and Bochum, but their goal differential is way worse than Stuttgart. So I think we can write off Hertha at this point. I think we can, un- unfortunately, for, for Hertha Berlin. And I think, uh, as we pointed out at the end of the uh, the big Hertha chat that we had last yeah. week, um, it's a shame for for shame for their supporters who, even on a even on a Friday night, had you know thousands of them had travelled mm. um, a huge distance across the country from Berlin to Cologne, um, to, yeah, to to see their team concede another another five goals. Yeah. Um, yeah, what one of them scored by Davy Selker, who only left them in 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 January, which must have been a like an extra bit of salt uh, mm-hmm. rubbed in the wound. Um, as for the as for the game itself, I I actually thought this had a lot about about Hertha in that I think there seems to be a little bit of like, wasted wasted potential there going going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been a big fan of Dodi Luca Bacchio. Yeah, me too. Like the way I really, really like the way he plays. Um, I like the way whether down the middle or drifting out, drifting out to the to, to the right or left. I love how he finds space. Love how he's immediately looking to be to be penetrative. Um, and obviously he has goals in him in him as well. And um, you know, Hertha's Hertha's second goal came precisely from that from that sort of pattern and the you know, the perfect way to use Luca Bacchio. You know, a big a big ball. Big ball forward, but well targeted. You know, a good run from Luca Bacchio, and he and he he set up Jovetic for it. Um, so that, in in a way, that 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 shows what Hertha can do going forward. Also, if you look at you know just the names. You know, um, Marco Richter has made Germany appearances. Um, Lucas Tusa is, is 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 not a bad player. Yeah. Um, there's an and Boetius on the bench. That you know, there's Bundesliga experience there. Okay, I'm not I'm not saying these are you know. Champions League, even Europa League level players, but there's certainly enough attacking talent there to be to to be in mid table in the Bundesliga. I think who has that potential. He's a yeah. Belgian national team player. Yeah, and you yet know, the rest um, maybe were, not, but Lukebaku certainly does. Certainly, and 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 yet I thought they were they were massively let down, massively let down at the other end. Um, I think 
the fact that was it at least two, maybe even three of the goals came from crosses, set pieces. Mm. Uh, two, you know, two of them were headers, and then what I think one of one of the the Hubers finishes. I think was it was it the flick. Um, that he flicks into the into the roof of the net comes from another cross. So the so the Hertha aren't defending crosses. You know th- th- these are absolute basics. You know the yeah. sort of goals that you would expect not to concede. The ones that you can head clear, and th- they're even conceding those. Um, and I thought perhaps the perhaps the worst one from a from a Hertha point of view was the was the third put in by Elias Skiri. But um, mm. that goal that came from a Hertha a Hertha Berlin throw. Down by Cologne's or down by Cologne's corner flag, or yeah. down by their own corner flag at the other end of the pitch, and the way that um, I think it's Tiggers and Miner have absolutely outstripped the entire Hertha defence for pace up the whole length of the pitch. It just—I I think it said—I think it said a lot about about Hertha's shortcomings, not not just from from a organisational point of view, but also yeah. from a from the, the point of view of, of being able to compete, being able to to summon the energy and the desire to get back, um, and and chase back like that, and it simply wasn't there. I thought it was just from a Hertha point of view, sad sad to see, but Cologne punished them. Well, as they would say in German, Domer, der Haufen Söldner, der bunch of mercenaries. <laughs> Do you really expect them to, you know, put the neck on the line for Hertha? Or like no, the way no. the team was put together. I mean, we, yeah. again, we talked about all the money that was pumped into this team that's now gone, burned off and missing. But are we really surprised? Because this is not a cohesive group. Yeah, no, I, I mean, at this point of the season, no, certainly not. But um, it's uh, looking like quite a sad way to go. Yeah, totally. The question is, who's going to follow them? <laughs> because mm. that is, it feels almost like Russian roulette at this point, doesn't it? Um, are we counting Augsburg out? Like, where do we draw the line here? Where do you draw the line? I think I mean, I, I, on on Twitter over the weekend, I I drew the line at uh, at Bochum, but it was pointed out by a, I think by a Schalke fan that Hoffenheim aren't mm-hmm. out the woods yet, and I mean, no. okay. Fair enough. Um, they've got a tough game at the weekend. I think Hoffenheim have got Union, haven't they? At the weekend, um, if I'm if I'm correct, correct me if I'm wrong. Let me double check that. Yeah. I have the um, Bundesliga app open just for that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So Bochum has Hertha, Hoffenheim have Union at home. Yes. Um, and then. But nevertheless, I, I I would still. Stuttgart have Mainz. Yeah, I'd, I'd see Hoffenheim. Just about safe, probably. Given, I, I think it'll come down to, to Bochum, Schalke, or Stuttgart. And I must admit, I can uh, I can see I can see reasons why all three would stay in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can, yeah, it's a, at this point, it really is an absolutely impossible one to call. Um, yeah, how do you, how do you see it? Which way are you going? I'm surprised you're keeping Augsburg out of this because if they lose to Dortmund and the other two uh, other three win. Then they're definitely in it. I mean, Manu, I'd, 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 I'd like to see Hoffenheim and Augsburg go down. I really would. No, no offense to Hoffenheim and Augsburg. Oh, yeah. but, I but think I, we're I really, both, I really both in agreement there, especially with, because it, Heidenheim 22. might come up, right? So, <laughs> not with two games, not with two games to go. But yeah, I think, um, I think, yeah, Bochum, Schalke, Stuttgart, um, and yet again, all, all three have shown have shown reasons for optimism um mm. i think all three have you know have, have absolutely shown that they that they have quality going forward although one caveat there would be that Schalke are going to be missing marius bulter um at the weekend aren't they yeah um, they are. yellow card that's a massive blow because you you do wonder where the goals are going to come from if not if if not from if not from him uh that could be a problem for them um on the other hand, I think, um, yeah, Bochum have uh, um, have shown again, particularly going forward, that they have goals in them, particularly from from Asano and mm. uh, most, I think most, most particularly from from Antwiadje, who's been fantastic to watch all season, scored a fantastic, oh, scored a fantastic goal. Um, yeah, the the, op- the opener against Augsburg was an absolutely fantastic finish into the roof of the net. Um, and it was also his cross which brought about the own goal for the second. So, yeah, yeah he, he, he's a man with goals in him. Um, and, yeah, once again, 
Anthony Lucilla, the captain, al- always good for a for a long vein strike, isn't he? Mm. Always, always keen to have a shot at goal, no matter no matter from how far out. So mad. So next match day, we've kind of gone through it, right? So um, Schalke have Frankfurt at home. Frankfurt looked a lot better this weekend. Um, and we, we can discuss Frankfurt briefly before we wrap this up. Hertha, uh, Bochum have uh, in Hertha, at Hertha, we already mentioned Hoffenheim uh, hosting Union. The final match day, though, uh, I mean, I should also mention Stuttgart uh, against Mainz, right? But the final match day, Bochum at home against Leverkusen, which could be tough depending on what's happening with the Europa League, right? I think that that's my big asterisk on everything that Leverkusen does. It all depends on what's happening in the Europa League. Um, he had to have Wolfsburg, but I think they're going to be done. Schalke will play in Leipzig, who I think might be qualified for the Champions League at that point. Um, but as also Stuttgart against Hoffenheim head to head. And that could be a big one to watch. I mean, I certainly think out of those three that Schalke have the toughest running. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah. Well, think, it depends on Leipzig, right? What What if they're already on the even, beach? Even so, I think it's a, it's a massive <laughs> yeah. ask. It's a massive ask to, yeah, for, for Schalke to go to go away there and uh, and, and and try and get a result. Um, whereas, um, yeah, I, the fact that I think they've got they've got the tougher running Schalke um, and particularly missing Bulsa this weekend against mm. uh, against Frankfurt, isn't it? I think that definitely puts them at a disadvantage. Um, they do have the advantage that they have one more point than Stuttgart, um, which is at least positive. And they can also, and you know, one more positive for Schalke would be that, uh, that Leverkusen, despite playing pretty terribly uh, away at Stuttgart, managed to, managed to equalise with, uh, with that penalty. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Schalke do have that advantage, but um, it's... Uh, yeah, it's not it's, yeah, not not looking particularly good. Um, one thing I would say for in fact for all for all three of them, um, I've 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 been to I've been to all three a few times this season. Um, I've been so impressed with the atmosphere of all three stadiums. Yeah, they're fantastic. It'd be such a, purely from that point of view, it'd be such a shame to see or to see any of them go down. Um, th- three of the loudest and most raucous and fanatical atmospheres um, in, in German football, Bochum, Schalke and, uh, and Stuttgart. So from that, yeah. even from that point of view, it would be a massive shame, it'd be a massive loss for any of them to go down. Well, that's why I sort of, keeping my fingers crossed, HSV coming up with a pretty late resurgence in the second Bundesliga, right? Um, it was a really big match day for them. Um, and they are now just one point behind second place Heidenheim. So... I still have some hope that HSV somehow managed to jump into second place and um, we avoid a scenario where we have Hoffenheim, Augsburg and Heidenheim in the Bundesliga. That's no disrespect to any of these teams. They all they are merit. But as you said, we are going to potentially lose two massive fan groups in a league that advertises itself as being a league for the fans, right? So um, it would be... It would be nice to have it at least somewhat balanced out, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and and yet, I mean, I think you may be doing a slight disservice to 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 Heidenheim. Um, I know, you know I know, grouping them in along with uh, Hoffenheim and, uh, and and Augsburg. But um, is it is it the Frank Schmidt? Is it the coach? Yeah, Frank, and he's done an amazing job. Really? He's, yeah, been, uh, he's been he's been a been at yeah. Heidenheim since about eighteen thirty, I think. So. <laughs> Um, and he's done fantastic work there. Again, they're a they're a very small club from a very small town, but backed, yeah. as I understand it, backed by um, you know a, a, cons- a consortium of local businesses. Yeah, um, yeah, partic- yeah particularly Voigt. Voigt there. Um, um, but yeah, um, yeah, they might not be the most spectacular club with the with the from the biggest place with the biggest fan base, but nevertheless, um, I think actually a decent advert for for quite sustainable, well run football in in Germany. So I wouldn't quite uh, bracket them alongside alongside Hoffenheim. I mean, it's just this, the the amount of you know you won't see thousands of Heidenheim fans traveling to a place like Frankfurt. Mm. Is what I'm saying. You know, um, it's also difficult to go away to Heidenheim because have, have you ever been? The grounds on top of a hill. It is a seri- <laughs> it's a serious walk. So, Does it um, even have a direct train connection? Is the other question. Um, uh, no, it, uh, it takes a few changes as well. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, I can remember looking at it once, and I'm like, "This is impossible to get to." Yeah, so, well, five, yeah four or five changes, and then a, then a march up a hill. So yeah, um, you know, it's I, I'm. 
I just missed the I missed the big stadiums in in many ways, right? Like one day we have to do a podcast where we put together our ideal Bundesliga. Uh, and obviously, like for me, the big, the dream scenario this year would have been Kaiserslautern and HSV to come back up. Um, didn't happen. HSV is still a good chance. Um, I do like those small stories. I did wrote, I did write an article about Heidenheim this year because you are right. There is a lot there, and there's a story that I don't want to poo poo on, right? Because they do everything right. It's just for me, it's more about. You know, with Darmstadt come up, um, again, that's a traditional club, but it's also not a huge club. Um, but then you also lose Schalke and Hertha and potentially Stuttgart on top of that. That's a lot of that's a lot of big clubs gone from not being replaced by other big clubs, is what I'm trying to say, right? Um so yeah. But You're, again, yeah, it's, based it's based on merit. It's based on merit. Yeah, absolutely, and particularly frustrating. I think, given I think similar to the Hertha situation, particularly frustrating given the actual the talent they, they have on paper and the yeah. and the talent they also show from time to time. You know, I've seen quite a bit of Stuttgart in the in the past month, um, obviously mm. against against Dortmund in the league. I know I was there as well for the semi the cup semi final against against Frankfurt, which they which Stuttgart started so well, particularly that front five that they have with. Um, yeah. Thiago Thomas and and Silas in behind Gerasi and Gerasi's been you know, so Gerasi's been injured for a lot of the season, but he's been fit for the past month and he's made a massive massive difference to them. Um, playing a quite similar role to Sebastian Haller at Dortmund, actually, you know that mm. role of sort of dropping deep as a pivot with with, with good wingers either side of him, really important player. Um, also some um, yeah and lots of good assist and you know set up potential from Wagnerman. And uh, and uh, and and Souza, Souza particularly from from you know from from set pieces, really yeah. really good delivery. They have they, they do have goals in them there, and I think combined with that atmosphere, they do suck late goals into the into the Kanstadtakorva as well. There, um, it's just a shame they can never they can never manage to do it for more than half an hour at a time, and that explains why they are where they are. But um, yeah, there's also all that off field stuff. Um, I was with them in the US in November, Matt, um, traveled with the team. I literally traveled with the team in this case, um, through Texas. And obviously when you embed it, you you learn a lot of things, right? Behind the scene things. And this was when um uh Mislintat around the la- the last final weeks of Sven Mislintat, right? Um and he was with the squad and all that. And it's such a complicated club. You know, I mean, we could um, probably do a similar episode on Stuttgart. I actually just thought we should on, because on, on it, actually. yeah, it is because the like, it is such a massive club in such a massive wealthy city, right? I mean, there is no reason Stuttgart shouldn't be what Bayern Munich is based on where they are, right? As a, as a club in the city and the wealth that is in Baden-Württemberg and the way it is not quite as centralized as Bavaria, but you know what I mean, right? But the politics, you know the things that you learn when you're with them, you just kind of think to yourself, I was like, is this a kindergarten? <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. No, I've, um, I've had similar experiences uh, with, with Stuttgart over the past few years, to be honest. Um, and yeah, so, sounds like I've, sounds like I've heard similar things to, to, yeah. to you, but I think, um, yeah, it, it's a shame on, on that level. It's a shame in the immediate, on the immediate sporting level, given the talent, the talent that's in that mm. club. Uh, it's a shame given the, the massive support um, for the for the club and the sheer size of the club. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think absolutely. If, if you uh, if you want to do a if you want to spend a few hours talking about Valerie Stuttgart, then um, yeah, happy. <laughs> Happy to happy to help because there's a lot. Yeah, to get let's, into. let's pencil that in because I think that is a really interesting topic. Maybe we like wrap up why do big clubs in German football struggle, and we we use Stuttgart as an example. I, I think all this would the absolutely enjoy. Yeah, yeah yes. they're a great example. Um, but I do before we wrap this up, want to briefly touch on things going on in Frankfurt. You know, with Oliver Glasner, um, we did talk about his departure in the transfer show um, last week. But um, the, I thought the reaction by Frankfurt fans was really interesting in, in terms that they seem very upset that Glasner is leaving, right? Um, which makes sense. He's, he's won um, you know, the biggest trophy that they have won in the last... When was the last time they won the German Championship in the 50s? Mm. Well, they won, right. the, they, they, they won the German Cup a few years ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I would rank the Europa League slightly higher. 
Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's been a huge achievement, um, and it's been pretty incredible to see the the, the short time in which the the relationship between um, Oliver Glasner and uh, and Eintracht Frankfurt, and particularly the sporting director Markus Krusher. Although I think we were talking before, you you said mm. that also some of the relationships with other figures in the Frankfurt hierarchy are broken down. I think it's it's yeah, it's happened very very quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. What I find interesting is that. W- it, it, the, the way those relationships have broken down was at the same time as we've as we've seen with the reaction of the Frankfurt fans. Glasner's standing with the fans is actually is actually huge. Now that that I know you mentioned, obviously he's won the cup, he's won the, a, a major European trophy with them. Of course, they're going to love him. I don't think you would, I don't think you can take that for granted. Um, Oliver mm. Glasner has, I think, perhaps even by his own admission. Um, He's never had the best relationship with, um, or any sort of relationship really, with with, with a major, huge, um, fanatical fan base that the size of Eintracht Frankfurt. So obviously yeah. he came, he arrived in Frankfurt from from Wolfsburg, where, with all due respect, the um, you know the the atmosphere and the fan culture around the club is is a little bit different. It's a much 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 smaller scale, mm. um, and. Um, when I, when I was when I was in Stuttgart a couple of weeks ago for that semi final, um, Glasnost he, he hinted as much himself, saying that um, you know he's, it's taken him some time to to get used to what goes on surrounding a, a, a big club like Frankfurt and the fact that um, the fact that he was facing so much criticism um, in the press. Um, regarding um, a, a poor Bundesliga season, whilst he was arguing that you know, it might be a, we might be ninth, but we're also in the final of the German Cup, and we um, yeah. and we got knocked out of the Champions League in the last sixteen by the eventual Italian champions. I mean, in any in any other year, that's a pretty good season for, <laughs> for Eintracht Frankfurt. But he said it shows just how much the the expectations have changed, and then. Um, yeah, Glasner himself was admitting that he perhaps underestimated that a little bit, being a massive traditional club in that way. A few moments earlier, you know, he, he was sat there in a in a in a muddy, dirty T-shirt because moments earlier he'd gone uh, belly sliding on the pitch in front of the Frankfurt fans in the corner, um, and he said, "Yeah, he did that because it, it seemed that he was learning what it's like to be backed by this, you know, this massive support, huge club, huge following." Um, and yeah, developing a rapport with a massive fan base, perhaps for the first time in his in his coaching career. Um, so I think it's quite interesting now that 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 relationship has become so so positive. The fans love him. He's learning to to love the fans and to engage with them. But it's his it's the technical relationships with his sporting director Markus Krusher and with others in the club. Um, which has broken down. Um, I think, yeah, people might have perhaps expected it, to, you know, to go the other way with with yeah. Oliver Glasner. Yeah, maybe the one thing that I need to add. I mean, you're quite right to point all of this out. Um, I thought it was really interesting that this is now the second club where relationships have broken down between him and the decisions makers above him. Mm-hmm. Because the same thing happened at Wolfsburg, didn't it? It did. Although, I, I mean. I, you know which you know which caveat I'm going to add, and, and, and yeah, exactly. And it just just so happens I've, I've actually spent this morning writing an article about um, about Jörg Schmatke, given the mm. uh, given the um, the yeah. reported Liverpool connections. Um, I wrote that article and, last week. Yes, yeah, and, <laughs> I know exactly where you're yeah, going with Jörg, this. Jörg, Jörg, Jörg Schmatke is an is a let's let's say an interesting character in in German yeah. football. Going back over the past twenty years, um, he's managed to fall out with quite a few people. He's, he's had some fantastic successes with, with various clubs but he's also managed to learn leave a little bit of burnt or a little yeah. bit of scorched earth behind him as well so I'm not necessarily sure if I would um, put the, just, the, the breakdown in Wolfsburg all at Oliver Glasner's door it just adds an interesting wrinkle to the Schmatke story is what I'm trying to say right because like we always assumed it was one side it was Schmatke and we because he has he had a reputation even before he was at Wolfsburg right this um it his relationship he's always was very good at finding talent both coaches and players but he was also always very good at having relationships break down eventually um at any club he was and that probably 
stopped him from not becoming a sporting director at a big club like Bayern or Dortmund, right? Um, it, obviously, it's not stopping him from becoming a sporting director at Liverpool, no, but that's a different story. It's a shame that Chris hasn't made it today, isn't it? Because uh, yeah. I could have, yeah, could, could, could have ranked Liverpool alongside Aachen. <laughs> <laughs> about where they belong uh, sorry I'm sure he's going to listen <laughs> back with a smile but um, if, I think it does add an interesting element to this Glasner story that because maybe the, the, the breakdown relationship wasn't as one-sided as we thought yes perhaps not and I think that yeah there's, there's, there's always there's always several truths uh, yeah, to, yeah. To, to, the, to these things um, I think some of the just bringing it back to Frankfurt I think some of the criticism of Glasner this season which I do think is is, is legitimate is mm. that um, particularly given the uh, Champions League schedule that they that they had in the first half of the season the fact that he barely he, he barely rotated he pretty much stuck with the same 11 yeah. um which obviously okay, it saw them. It saw them through their Champions League group. Um, although obviously Napoli was uh, was was a step too far. Um, but it's got to the point now where in the second half of the season they have they have looked you know they've looked completely reliant on on Randall Colo Um and um, yeah, o- o- others have seemed yeah, have seemed com- completely shattered. I'm thinking particularly. Uh, Daichi Kamada, who I think has looked very, very tired at times, despite he actually you know come back into form in the past week or so. Good goal in in Stuttgart, scored a pen um, um, uh, against Mainz. Um, so yeah, I, I can understand the criticism from, and um, particularly from Markus Krusher, I think has made these sort of criticisms that um, you know he's he's not happy with the way the Bundesliga season has turned out. Fair enough. Mm. I, I also, you know, I don't want to sit on the fence, but I also think it's a legitimate response from Glasner to say, I mean, what more do you want? You're Eintracht Frankfurt, you're ninth in the Bundesliga, German Cup final, and you got knocked out of the Champions League by the Italian champions in the last 16. Is it really that bad? I mean, the Bundesliga results were probably disappointing, but no, if they win the German Cup, who cares? Because he's still in the Europa League, so um, which is, you know, for them, that is really where they want to, if the club wants to grow and be what they are uh, can potentially be in German football because I think they're a sleeping giant. Being consistently in the Champions League or Europa League is what gets you there, right? Mm. That extra Ab- money. Ab- absolutely. Right? I totally get that, but I think these things also take time. And yeah. to be honest, I think there are enough people around Eintracht Frankfurt and um, also at board level uh, in, in Frankfurt who, who know that. I think they are mm. making the right steps. Um, they have... Yeah, they have done a semi-good job of establishing themselves in in European competition in, in the last few years. Yeah. You're not going to have it every single year. Um, a lot of the money that they've um, that they've earned through through those cup, uh, you know, through, through those European cup runs, um, I think has been invested very wisely, uh, mm-hmm. particularly in the stadium infrastructure. They're currently in the process of expanding the stadium, aren't they? Which is going to include, yeah. I believe, another several thousand standing terraces as well as extra sort of business VIP boxes. So again, a good example of sustainable infrastructural development um, in 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 Frankfurt. Um, I think all things considered, I do tend to come down a little bit more on the side of of Glasner and that argument that, in the great scheme of things, um, yeah, Frank, Frankfurt having a, a, a bad Bundesliga season, but in the in the in the bigger picture, it's that they're actually still doing very well. Yeah, I would agree with that, uh, Matt. I think we can probably talk for hours about this, but we're almost <laughs> out of time. One um, final mention: We can't we can't let this go without uh, mentioning Aurelio Buta's screamer yes. for Eintracht Frankfurt. Yes, absolutely Sweet. fantastic finish. Absolutely, and um, yeah, I mean, there is a good chance that there is going to be another parade in Frankfurt at the end of the season. So don't don't forget about that either. This, you know, they, I, I wouldn't wouldn't put it beyond Eintracht Frankfurt to beat RB Leipzig in the in the final in Berlin. Um, but yes, um, let's wrap this up. Um, as always, the show is brought to you by Bet Online. Matt, thank you so much again for coming on. Um, give here's like your 30, 40 seconds on just telling people where they can find you, what you've been working on, anything you want to plug. Um, I'm yeah, all my stuff is on is on my Twitter account. That's um, Matt underscore four D. Um, 
yeah, everything's on there. I've been covering the, the Bundesliga title race in in depth for the past few months, and I'll continue to do so. Um, admittedly, not this weekend. I'm actually away this weekend, but um, think, I'm fingers crossed that the uh, the the, uh, the deciding game will be will will get postponed until the final match day, when I can cover it properly. But um, I I'll be watching from afar, and I should be in um, in Dortmund on the on the final day. Um, where yeah, it, it it could yeah could be could be an interesting one. So yeah, if you wanna if you wanna have a have a follow and keep in, keep on track of all that, then feel free. <laughs> yeah, Matt does excellent work. Um, please give him a follow. And yeah, we'll be back with our regular lineup this week. Um, Stefan should be back too, hopefully recovered, and we'll be back soon. Until then, auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen, danke. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.